0: Hello Podcast Collective Consciousness. I hope all is well in your world. This is the Reconsider Simon Podcast. In this audio space I'll explore consciousness, ufology, high strangeness, the esoteric, spirituality, even the very essence of reality itself. Episode number one. I'll see how this goes. So out here in the village that I live, the sky is blue, it's now turned to spring, the weather's a lot warmer, Um, there's a lot of flags out around the village, um, which are Union Jacks, which is the British flag, and it's all to do with the coronation of the new king, King Charles, which to be honest with you, now I probably have zero interest in. And debating whether I watch it or not on television. But we're not here to talk about the king. We are here to talk about the amazing subject of ley lines, earth energies, and its kind of interaction with with humans, with with people. Um, and it's going to be sort of quite personally focused on my own experience of ley lines and energy. And then also now my own healing journey as well because so I've been sort of suffering from various health issues these last couple of years and the, the earth energy has very much affected it, sometimes negatively, sometimes sort of positively. So I'm going to deep dive into that as well. So yeah, I mean, overall I probably had the worst couple of years of my adult life. I know, I know, give me sympathy. Um, but I am hope I'm coming out of that now. Um, I'm a lot better. It's taken me a long time to get to this point, though. Um, and what I found was I mean, a lot initially, I should probably explain what the problem was. Um, I had a lot of problems with my skin, sort of a lot of skin inflammation. Um, so it's kind of limited my mobility quite a lot. I found it quite difficult to work, you know, physically to kind of earn money. Um, so the whole period has been really challenging for me. And I'm still trying to unpick, you know, what's going on, how much of it is sort of all physical or is there a spiritual or or emotional or or mental component to it. So I'm still kind of delving into these areas, trying to figure it all out. Um, But anyway, in the depths of the beginnings of what was happening to me, um, I was living in sort of central Hove at the time, which is right next to Brighton, the same area, Brighton and Hove on the south coast of, of the uh, United Kingdom and um, I was living in a very small flat right in the centre of a town um, and I started to have these problems with with inflammation. And I just felt like I was being constantly radiated. I feel that like I'm
1: quite sensitive to energy and um, things like, you know, 5G lampposts
0: that tend to be in most streets now around the uk um, and then just the amount of electronics within the building I was in as well I was surrounded by other flats with with Wi-fi routers I could just feed it in my in my body in my I, my head would be throbbing um but it would also i felt was make making my condition worse as well um so after a period of time of like I moved back home to my parents' house because Things were too much for me to sort of deal with being on my own. And once I got to the point of actually feeling quite a lot better I sort of decided to move back down to Brighton and it was I think even before um, I had all these health problems uh, very much affected by kind of the energy of EMFs and and that's a thing I mean you have the idea of like natural energy for earth energies but we have this new component to our existence of this very artificial coverage, like a web-like coverage of of EMF energy from mobile phones, from internet, um, and from even from just electricity as well. Um, I'm not going to sort of concentrate on that because it's more earth-based energy and healing uh, in this particular podcast. So whilst looking for somewhere new to live, um, I decided made the conscious decision to to move to somewhere more rural, slightly outside of Brighton, uh, whether it was a smaller town or um, you know a village um, or just maybe just in the middle of nowhere. Um, and in the end, I ended up settling in a village called Ditchling, which is probably about sort of fifteen twenty minutes drive outside of Brighton, and it's just the other side of the South Downs. The South Downs kind of surround Brighton. Um, and um, and they stretch all the way to kind of Winchester so it's quite a substantial landmark Um, but I'm on the other side of the hills of the South Downs and yeah it's a very picturesque little village very old little village been here for a very long time and um, yeah although it is a very rural location it's quite a busy through route uh, for traffic so in the daytime it can be quite busy with cars which is a slight downside but I'm quite used to it now so, apologies, you might actually hear cars and <laughs> traveling in the background. I actually live right close to this very small little roundabout and um, it gets quite congested quite frequently. Um, people flip out, um, they can get quite angry at each other. So, I'm constantly hearing sort of uh, anger in the background and then tyres screeching as people, you know, race off in anger of a particular situation they, they've encountered on the roundabout. And I have to say, I've, I've fallen prey to the same sort of anger, so I'm not completely immune, but um, yeah, it's quite funny to kind of hear that sometimes, the level of frustration, let's put it down to frustration, that uh, people encounter when they're driving their cars. Anyway, we're not talking about traffic, we are talking about energy. What I discovered about Ditchling, uh, After a small amount of time being here, I moved into a one-bedroom flat. Was there was zero mobile phone reception, um, which was great. I mean, I didn't actually realise that until I moved in. I don't think. Um, So it was that was kind of quite nice. It just felt again it was less pressure on my body. I was still healing, Um, so I was surrounded by more nature. I mean, I'm still having things like Wi-Fi in my house, etc., and having a mobile phone, but there wasn't that element of of the actual you know mobile energy that was affecting my body and plus there was just a lot less built up as well so there's a lot less to contend with so that was good and um, so you know i was in that place for about a year and um it wasn't all fun and games because obviously i was still healing so i went through bad patches and kind of good patches but then after a year the the landlords. I want, decided to, to wanted to sell the flat so I had to move out and very luckily just by, by uh, I don't know, again it's a synchronistic thing I think, it was just it's quite a small village so to find a one bedroom in this area is quite it's quite unusual and the very moment I was looking for somewhere new to live um, there was another place literally a few doors up that came upon the market pretty much exactly the same price slightly smaller had some good bits to it so had some you know less good bits compared to the other place but it was perfect situation so I was able to, It's the first place I saw and then moved in a, a few weeks later and I, I realised there's a lot of different energetics going on within this village even changing the, the location just a few doors up has changed things very profoundly so I'm going to talk about that as well um, Overall, this area, I mean, writing is an interesting area. It's quite a creative alternative place and has been for a very long time. And Ditchling sort of piggybacks off the back of that um, and is quite well known for having a lot of artists around this area as well who have settled here, like in the past, but also in the present as well. And it has a very creative vibe. And you can only put that down to the energy of the land, I think in Brighton and areas like this there's a particular energy that draws people that are creating a, maybe you'll think alternatively to these particular areas. And I personally think it's a lot to do with the energies of the land. Um, you get areas of, of the UK like Wiltshire which is really famous for megalithic ruins and you know like Avebury and Stonehenge, all these amazing places, places that I've come to explore over these last few years. And um, yeah, I've had some really amazing experience, one of them which I will
1: probably talk about towards the end of this podcast. So stay tuned, it's a fascinating experience. Um, but
0: yeah, what's the, fact, the difference between sort of places like Wiltshire and Brighton is that Brighton, I think, has a lot of sacred places, but a lot of them are a lot more eroded or have completely disappeared through the... The sands of time and things, so it, it does have these spiritual, uh you know, pagan sites, stone circles. But a lot of them, you know, you can't, they can't really be seen. um You can find remnants of stones here and there, but there isn't anything substantial. So, but it still has that energy of these places still in existence, even in ditching. I'm, I'm going to get to that as well. But in Brighton, I mean, there's things like like I mentioned, standing stones, there's long barrows. Um, I think they're called Tumnus or Tumnus? Can't remember. Anyway, but there are, you know, sacred areas, and you can feel the difference when you travel to these sites of like the energy of the land. Um, particular examples, there's, there's an area called the Long Mound, which is a kind of chalk long man that's etched in the side of a the hill. There's an area called Devil's Dyke. There's Sisbury Ring. There's Chantabby Ring, just to name a few. And all these areas I've kind of visited and read about the history and really fascinating areas. A dominant variable of Earth energies as well is the water component and the underground water, that kind of interaction and, and potential of actually creating the energy lines as well. And Brighton has a lot of mysterious tunnels, uh, man-made tunnels, um, which no one really has access to. I think occasionally they, they open some of them up. Um, so, you know, some of these existence of this tunnel, I'm not quite sure why they were there. Maybe some of them were quite secret, maybe for nefarious reasons or positive reasons, I don't know. But there's a lot of underground water. And, um, and some of this underground water goes right down through the, the central spine of the, of the city of Brighton as well. And a lot of the area, I mean, it's all to do with geology as well. majority of the area is quite chalk based, but where I am in, in Ditchling, is very much sandstone, I think, so that again has an effect on the on kind of the energy of the land. Um, but one particular sort of central spine that has underground water goes right down the center of Brighton. You know, there is elements of stand, standing stones which you can find as well. And one central point is um, it's called the Old Stein, which is right near Brighton Pier, which is the pier which is still kind of operating. There's two piers as the the West Pier, which is completely falling into the sea. And then Brighton Pier, what used to be called Palace Pier. And right opposite, there's this a big fountain. And This fountain is like rather interesting. Um, it wasn't like until a very long time after when I moved back to Brighton, I started to learn the history of this particular fountain. Um, and then a lot of people were speculating. So it was a Very, very noisy motorbike <laughs> went fast. Um, I'll start again. So, again, I, when I moved back to Brighton, I was very much on this spiritual quest. And part of that, I started to learn more and more about ley lines and earth energies. And there's obviously famous examples like this sort of St. Michael line that goes sort of down through the south of, of the UK and going through sacred sites such as Avery and Stonehenge and more. Um, I think it stretches all the way to kind of the west, east of the country, sorry. Um, Yes, yeah, so you're learning about those, but I wanted to learn about my own local context as well. What was surrounding this particular area? And Because I've been so drawn to this area multiple times. You know, I lived here initially as a student, and then went away for probably about ten years, living in various places around the world, and then returned. Um, and but I had was seeing Brighton a completely new light because whereas before it was very much to do with like hedonism, unfortunately, and music and and the nightlife and all of those things that you do when you're young, potentially. Um, now, was in seeing things in a completely new light, in, 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 from a spiritual point of view. Um. So yeah, I was just gunning to find information about the, the you know, the energy and the areas and the more sort of occult and esoteric areas of Brighton. And I think I stumbled across this website. I think it was through YouTube initially. But then I started to stumble across this website called Sussex Arch, um, which started to talk about things in a lesser than mainstream terms, it was more kind of esoteric. Um, so this is where I got a lot of this initial information. And it talked about this Oldstein um, fountain again, again, which is right opposite uh, the Brighton Pier. And it talks about... It used to be like a sacred site and have standing stones there, and actually the standing stones were called the Old Steen. And these standing stones can be still seen. They're actually in the fountain itself, sort of right in the centre. So when I heard about that, read that, I couldn't really remember what was in the fountain, but going back I was like, oh yeah. Then you started to see. And even across a lot of the sort of green spaces in Brighton, there are still, they're called Sarsen stones. Um, that that are there, you know. There's elements of them, so it just it denotes that these places did have some kind of worship or some kind of energy going through, which you know these stones utilize that energy in some particular way. So some people have said that this old steam fountain is 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 a major corridor energy line that goes straight through the centre of Brighton. And yeah, if you look down, there's a whole kind of um sort of quite wild wide mall um like area which goes straight down and most of it's quite it's quite green there's two busy rows either side um but they've made the council made a good job and m- maintaining it. it's quite a green park land type space but what's interesting you have this old steam fountain and then further down is lots of kind of very weird monoliths and other stonework, and it that all starts to tie into ideas of freemasonry and hidden knowledge and them potentially manipulating and changing the energy to their own particular agendas. But there's also a lot of churches as well, and churches, as a lot of you may know, uh, also donate sacred sites. A lot of them, they had pagan sites on them, like for sun worship potentially, and then as the years went on Christianity kind of hit these lands and they started to build churches on these same areas um, so that's all I mean this whole area is as you walk down it's got churches dotted all the way down so again that denotes sort of particular earth energies as well but going back to this website Sausage, Sussex Arch um, there was a particular individual there became quite I'd heard of him before and some people had sort of thought he was quite nefarious, but I don't know whether this is true or not, but his name was Colin Bloy, and he was a dowser. And um, in the 1970s, he was very active um, around Brighton dowsing around this area. And um, he had this experiment where he got a group of people together, and they surrounded the fountain, and they all directed their intention of peace, love, happiness and health. Um, into this fountain for a period of time. And this all ties into the idea of like meditation and intent to, you know, fe- affect the collective consciousness. So this guy, Colin Bloy, was doing exactly the same thing, not through meditation, but mainly just through the connection of people together, surrounding in, in a circle around this old steam um, fountain and just directing that loving intent into the fountain. And what they found was that crime decreased the well-being of the community went up. Um, And they also found, because this guy Colin Bloy was a dowser as well, they found that the energy line itself was quite dormant. It wasn't really fluctuating properly. And what happened after this work, after this particular grid work, that this energy line started to flow more um, and it became more intense and apparently apparently there were particular strands and the strands within this energy line the dowser when using dowsing rods that he was able to pick up this i mean i dows a little bit but i'm not to that level that i can sort of see those kind of or feel those kind of um, effects within the energy line itself but he potentially could so this very action of these people getting together actually activated this energy line and it's purported that this line goes from brighton all the way into london so it's potentially quite an important area but there are other ones. There are other ones. I mean, I'm only speculating. But there are other energy lines. I think that go through the spine of Brighton and going, you know, south to north through the country as well. But then going back to like my own spiritual journey, I started to feel. I guess, um, I'd been suffering from health problems for a while. Um, so I was having to, to look into my diet, restrict my diet, um, and clean my body. Up. I was doing a lot of detoxing as well. And then just through i have been now like a few years into being a lot more spiritual, like meditation, doing yoga, things like Qigong as well. Um, so, yeah, I was becoming more heightened in my senses, um, in my spidey senses in a way. Um, so, I was starting to feel energy more, starting to have a more kind of energetic experience. It was becoming like really promou- pronounced. I remember I was in Scotland once around this stone circle and I closed my eyes and I could just sort of see the energy just rising up, just through the blood vessels in my eyes, just like rising up from this stone circle. It was, it was fascinating. Um, and then I'd go to places that I mentioned. I'd mentioned, i have been to like Avebury and another area I'll talk about later on, around that area as well. I was starting to have some crazy energetic experience and I'd go to like Glastonbury and my heart would be singing as well. And again, people sort of say, Glastonbury is what's called a vortex which is when you have intersecting energy lines all kind of come converging in one point point. and water is really important there they have the white spring and the red spring there the white springs and it's a lot more clearer water than the red springs got a lot of iron content to it as well um, but again it's sort of a deeply spiritual area. I'm still learning now like I'm still unpicking Earth energies, what it means, how it, they operate. Myself, I mean, I've done relatively a fair amount of reading around it as well. And I found a lot of people, they say different things. It's very subjective to your own experience, which is quite interesting. And but what I have found is through my own experiences, the land is very much changed by the astrology as well, what's going on, particularly the moon and the, the landscape can get charged up quite significantly by the moon especially when it comes towards full moons, um, you know, and also, I don't know, eclipses, etc. So that's a huge component to the Earth energies as well. But yeah, going back to my own context now, like this village of Ditchum that I live, um, yeah, I found out that, I mean, this village has been around here a long, long, long time, uh, since 900 AD, and, and was built on a sun mound essentially. And what's fascinating is that my old flat that, you know, apartment that I used to live, it uh, was slightly down the road, it was above like a pharmacy. And although it was good, um, yeah, I had, I struggled to sleep there, I was having a lot of like night terrors and s- some people mentioned maybe I was being interfered with by spirits or negative energies. But overall it was actually quite nice. It was just when I was sleeping Stuff would interfere. Then the new place I've moved to now, I'm not getting any of that at all. It's very different. Um, But it's right behind. There's a small church here called Saint Margaret's Church, and it's on this mound, and it's surrounded by a graveyard. And that was actually one of the I was quite concerned about that because I had read before about um, when I moved to this place about being in kind of earshot or sight of a cemetery isn't good. Like Earth, you know earth energy wise for your for your particular health i guess guess this ties into you know indigenous people you get Indian burial grounds and stuff, and people perceive them as being haunted and not good places to be around um so there might be something in that the idea of being near graveyards and that the energy of death and all these these dead bodies might not be great um but so far it's actually ha- been a completely different experience um I think I am directly behind this church. Um, Called St Margaret's, and it is on this small mound. And again, through this website called Sussex Arch, um, it ties into another one I think that was. It's it's called Quicksilver Magazine, which they've archived on this on this website. And this was an actual printed magazine that was available, I think, in the seventies or eighties. I can't quite remember. Within the southeast, and it particularly focused on sort of occult, land energies, and other topics within the Sussex area. Um, so I've sort of read through all of that and I've got a lot of this information from this particular online archive. And yeah, it talks about how potentially this church on this mound used to be a point of sun worship for, you know, very early people. And again, you can see these evidence of potential standing stones that are there as well. There's a wall and there's this huge stone in there, which people have called the, the altar stone because it looks like an altar stone. And then further down, as you come off this small mound, there's a kind of a small village green. And then in front of that, there's a war memorial there as well. And again, it has exactly the same style of stone that you get at the old Steen in Brighton, these sarsen stones. And also the same stone that's the older stone that's like built in the wall. So there's obviously something going on. Um, and it's very plain. And actually, to the right of there, there's a kind of old Iron Age fort. I haven't really dowelled either of these areas yet. I, I plan to at some point. Um, but yeah, anyway, so I'm right behind this church and the feeling of like being behind this church is very pronounced. Like I could feel the energy in my body and um, it actually started to, this ties into one of the main focuses, what I want to talk about is, you know, how that affects the body as well. And this energy of this new place where I was living, even though it was a few doors up, was really actually um, propelling my healing a lot more like I was healing a lot quicker Um that did cause problem it caused me a lot more discomfort if I'm being honest but I could see it was for a greater good so it's quite synchronistic how I just ended up back in this in this new new place it was actually aiding my healing being here Um all thanks to this I think is this energy again I haven't really explored properly yet with dowsing rods but um what is um notable about this church that it all lines up with I think three other churches all in a row I've looked on the map I've visited a couple of them already one already there's uh, East Chiltington church and there's Street and then there's D- Ditchling church and then in front of Ditchling um there's Kema church as well so there's like four of them all in a row so as you can hear there's obviously something going on in this area energetically to have these four churches all built on small mounds all line up with evidence of standing stones. Um, Yeah, I mean, it it was only confirmed when I moved to this new flat, which is directly behind the church, that I could feel the energy and and the positive effects it was having on my body. So, you know, and this ties into the reason why it's such an artistic area. I mean, particularly Ditchling with its, its, its history of artists. There's actually a small art gallery in the area as well, dedicated to particular artists who lived in this area. Um, and then Brighton as a whole is a, is a haven for music and, and artists as well. Um, and it, it's because of the earth energies that you know, people are drawn to these places uh, or people are born there. They obviously start to think because it affects their consciousness in a particular way. I always found it was quite funny when I was first living in Brighton in my early 20s, I just knew so many... I mean, I wasn't really awake and aware at that point, but I had a general sense of astrology, etc., And um, yeah, I just, I was fascinated, like, why (laughs) I knew so many Cancerians, you know, being born in July. And it was just June and July were just a very busy couple of months of birthdays. It was just like one birthday after another. And um, my birthday's on July the 7th, you know, seventh day of the seventh month, and I weighed seven pounds, seven ounces apparently. Um, But I knew five people who had the same birthday as me in Brighton and would have joint birthdays, you know, year in, year out. Um, yeah, mad. But moving into this new flat, some of the effects on my, on my body, I can feel it when I go to bed, it's just like my forehead is throbbing, my third eye. Um, I can feel it. And um, sort of slightly more negative aspects, there's a lot more feeling of tiredness actually, which I'm trying to unpick at the moment. I'm feeling a lot more exhausted um, and I don't know whether I'm being drained in some way which is not great. And I'm trying to figure out ways of trying to mitigate that as well um, because I have used actually dowsing rods t- to direct where I place my bed in a room as well. because It's always good not to be, um, There's thing's called the curry net and the Hartman grids which aren't great to be sleeping on. And so you can use dowsing rods to sort of locate where these are. You can place your bed accordingly so it might be something to do with that and um, but I'm quite constricted in the bedroom I'm in it's quite small so there isn't much scope for me to to move my bed around but I'll try and figure it out and um, so yeah there's very, like as I mentioned there's very visceral effects on my body of where I am at the moment and what's a positive of this new place is the fact that again I mentioned I haven't had any disturbed sleep or real horrible dreams, or night terrors, which has been
1: great. But I've spoke a lot really about the positives, about how it's helped me heal, but it's how it's kind of created
0: this area that's quite creative, quite alternative in terms of the community that inhabit these lands. Um, but I hinted on nefarious activity, you know, potentially some of the architecture that's placed within Brighton to maybe in a minute manipulate the energy in some way which I'm still not totally aware how that operates really but even within Ditchley I mean it's rather curious that there is a war memorial right in front of this church and this is a pattern that I keep in coming across energetic areas they seem to have these war, remor- war memorials I don't know whether it's because you know Every now and again, people congregate around these areas and they're focusing their attention around it. It just seems strange to me that they war memorials always in these very energetic key places. And it's the same in Brighton, where there's an old steam fountain with the standing stones literally down, down the road from that, like lined up perfectly. There's a huge war memorial there. Um, and yeah, so I just find it very, very strange. And what I've also discovered, a, a lot of the, the sites that I travel around in Brighton, like Devil's Dyke and Sisby Ring, they all have, and even here as well, they all have these underground water treatment centres. Maybe I'm being paranoid, but it just seems bizarre that like every single one of these areas, again Ditchling included, has these underground water treatment plants that are directly in line with these energy lines. And I don't know why. Maybe it's a complete coincidence, but it seems very strange. One of the big main initiations for me into this world of Earth energies was when I attended a dowsing course in Avebury. Um It was hosted by Maria Wheatley, who's um, quite a famous dowser, her father as well was quite a famous dowser. He wrote various books and was quite a pioneer in the field I think, um, and she's carried on that tradition as well. Um, so yeah, I went on this course in Avery, um, took my sort of best mate at the time, and yeah we just learned to douse, because um, you have so many energies around there, so many kind of megalithic structures to be able to practice on, and it was great to be in the, in the group dynamic as well, there's interesting people that we, we were doing it with. Um, I only lasted a few hours a day, which is quite nice. It was quite a nice amount of time. It wasn't too strenuous. And I remember the weather was, was glorious that, that summer as well. And we were camping. So had a really, really lovely time. Um, but that was my first real deep dive into sort of learning quite specifics to do with Earth energies. And also it was my first time in that area as well. I'd never really been there before. And it's a place that I keep going back to. And I keep having these really sometimes very bizarre, strange, not in a bad way, but just very strange. I'm gonna talk about one in a minute. It's gonna blow your mind. Um, it blew my mind. <laughs> I can tell you. Um, yeah, so that's kind of the start of like how I was introduced to things like dowsing rods and and pendulums. And I mean, I should practice it more than I do. Um actually they recommend to really get the benefits of it to really be persistent with your practicing and um, so I don't really do that I sort of dip in every now and again and um, but it gave me a really good foundation but to be honest if you're feeling so much energy physically within my body anyway it seems to be part of the way that I interact with the land rather than having to use doubt I'm not actually that great with dowsing rods Um I found pendulum easier but then again you get that sort of trickster energy sometimes, with the pendulum, so it gives you the wrong answer sometimes. Um, so I have to contend with that. But yeah, so th- overall, that was my introduction to that to that area of Avebury in, in Wiltshire was, was through this particular course. And what I've discovered is that people do move to these areas, but they're not actually great places to live in. I do have a couple of people I knew in Brighton. They did that. They were there for a couple of years. And people just get spat out. Things become really chaotic. Just the energies are so strong, um, and there is a thing like I mean, it's a Avery was a point of initiation. It was a point of ceremony and a very defined. It was a theorized as a particular. It's like a serpent through the landscape, and the ancients were sort of coming from a particular direction, and and as they got deeper and deeper in uh, through this journey, the yeah, initiation and the spiritual meaning got deeper and deeper as well. So, yeah, I mean, that was the original reason. We don't know, completely understand everything that was going on, obviously. But that was one of the main points of that area as a point of initiation. But people didn't live there. It was just literally they dipped their toe in and out over a weekend or a few days. Um, but now actually people live there. And I was hearing little stories, you know, the couple of people that I knew that lived there, they got spat out for various reasons. They never really went, truly went into why. And it was all a bit hush-hush around the details. But, yeah, and again, talking to which she explained the same thing. She lived in a in a town outside of that area called Marlborough, which is a nice little market mm-hmm. town. And she said specifically that people that live there end up having all sorts of crazy things happening to, You know, mental health crisis, turning into alcoholics. Um And it's the same thing with Glastonbury as well. There's an enormous amount of light there as well, but with that comes duality, so there's a lot of weirdness that happens there as well. Um, so although the idea of living in those areas, although they're quite rural and beautiful, you know, how long can you maintain that? How long? Until maybe your life starts to fall apart, you're like, I have to get out of this area! So there's always something to think about. And that's not just, um, you know, segregated to, the, to, to England, to the United Kingdom. Same thing apparently in America, as Glastonbury is a vortex, it, like as I mentioned, is intersecting uh, energy lines, multiple energy lines, quite a vortex. Same thing in Sedona, and I went there a few years ago with my family, because my auntie lives very luckily, handily. She retired with her husband and to Palm, Palm Desert, so we went to visit them. And we went to Sedona for a few years, and it's exactly the same thing, it's a vortex amazing area in the desert um just amazing landscape but highly energetic and was specifically used by the native americans as a point of ceremony so they would go in there do their ceremonies and they would leave Um, but now people live there full time and i think exactly the same thing happens there like people move there with this amazing idea of having a ama- mate maybe some people do they're able to maintain that um but yeah i think sometimes Chaotic things can happen in people's lives just because it's so energetic. So, yeah, I mean, it must be the same for other areas of the world as well. Anyway, I'm on a bit of a tangent there, going back to Avebury. So, yeah, I learned to douse in Avebury and I would return there multiple times on my own to practice my hone in, my, my dowsing techniques. And I was also very aware of crop circles. And I think, yeah, that the first time I went for this uh, course, the day before, because it was summertime, so it's, you know, crop circle season for that particular area, um, I was determined to see my first crop circle, because I'd never seen one before. i never, I've seen obviously in pictures and things, but I'd never been there physically before. So I managed to find one that was relatively new and active. And so the day before the course, I sort of drove there. It was really tricky because it was quite a busy road. And it had to sort of turn off really, really quickly. And I had to sort of clamber over various um, fences, like barbed wire fences to kind of get to those crops, but being respectful for the land and not destroying the farmer's crops, which is quite important. And, but what was really bizarre, I remember there was this big um, Apache helicopter, call it, with two propellers. Chinook, like Chinook helicopter, it was just revolving back and... It wasn't directly over the um, crop circle. It was very strange. It was constant in the vicinity going back and forth, back and forth. So yeah, that was strange. I was never quite sure of the crop circle. It's hard to know whether some of these are, are man-made or not. Um, Energetically, I couldn't really feel it, being honest. But yeah, there's a, there's a few other people starting to turn up. I had some good chats with people about the crop circles that was kind of quite cool um but yeah I've gone on another tangent tangent too much detail anyway <laughs> I was in Avery um for this course and then I kept going back um yeah mainly I think oh that was why I was talking about this yeah mainly to sort of because I became aware of other areas within that area um there's a place called Alton Barnes and there's like the white horse it's a white horse etched into the side of the landscape very old um thing it was etching into the hill um yeah and it's quite well known for crop circles so they have regular crop circles that appear in that area and actually down the road from Alton Barnes there's the crop circle it's like a museum like visitor centers and it sort of documents a lot of the major crop circles that have happened in that area I think it was started by a Dutch lady yeah Dutch lady started, I think it's still going but you know, it tends to happen in the spring and summer months um, I forgot the name of the place though. I think it's called, um, I can't remember. You'll probably have to find it on the internet. But yeah, there's a cafe there, a really nice cafe. Then next to it, there's this Crop Circle Center because that whole area is quite one. Well. There's a pub, a famous pub, and a lot of the kind of Crop Circle enthusiasts they go there. That's where they meet. So there's a lot of events, live events happen there. I think it's called the Barch and it's right on the canal. It's very nice. Anyway, so one of these like solo trips, to that area, I went there uh, to sort of practice my dowsing and I I just stopped in a particular small car park and got out of my car Um, and mainly just because um, I think I was like, I was just intrigued by this area because it had very sort of strange hills, very steep, almost sculptured like hills and it just drew me to that area. And um, it was peeing down with rain, I remember it was like really awful weather and it was the first time I think I had these, like, new dowsing rods as well. And Maria, Maria, Maria Wheatley had, had advised that, we, you know, when you have these dowsing tools, that you should have a little ceremony, you know, um, honour it to the land and help, you know, Gaia and the landscape to help, to, you know, work in tandem with your dowsing rods for good, for humanity, for, you know, positive life, etc., for exploration and not doing anything nefarious with it. Um so, you know, I thought, oh, maybe I'll do this ceremony here, even though it was like weeing down with rain quite considerably. Um, but what I discovered was my heart was just starting to sing. I was just feeling like so much love in my heart. And I was like, that's strange. You know, why is this landscape just initiating? And initially, I just thought it was like um, ley lines and underground walls from things. I kind of put it down to that. But later on, I was at a, um, a particular conference and they were talking about how, and it was just by accident, this uh, researcher was talking about that, literally that area and how there's a potential stargate there, because it's got all these very strange activity going on, along with the crop circles, but like flying orbs and loads of things, UFOs. It's near to a place called Knapp Hill, which is quite famous for seeing UFOs as well. So that whole area is like really, really fascinating. So I was initially drawn to that area because of that. And um, yeah, again, that experience was cemented by just all these feelings that again were happening within my body, this like real welling up of love and stuff. And I was just like, why is that happening? Why am I having this reaction? Um, So I kept going back to that area, like Avebury in that area sort of periodically. And this now brings us into, you know, dreaded COVID-19 situation um yeah probably a lot on YouTube probably a bit more careful but on the podcast yeah I don't care but I was very suspicious earlier on about the COVID thing and um so I think like two weeks in I started to rebel and just just went about my normal life <laughs> seeing people and doing stuff and um I'd moved into this flat with this lady at the time and um, I was just gunning to get away. I was just so, yeah, bored of just everything being closed. So I thought, you know, I'd be a bit naughty. and I'll, I, I, the weather was amazing. Like during that first lockdown in the UK, it was just so hot and sunny. Um, I got an amazing tan that year. <laughs> anyway, and so I decided I really wanted to go. I like the idea of like wild camping. So I thought, yeah, maybe I'll just wild camp. I'll just drive to Avery to that whole area, to the Alton Barnes. I'll just find somewhere to camp and just sort of sleep, you know, under the stars. Um, I think that was around about, maybe roughly around May or June time that I did that. It was about three years ago, maybe four years ago. And um, so, yeah, I just t- took my tent and then I decided, yeah, maybe I will. Maybe I'll camp in this particular strange area with, the, you know, the white horse and these fields of crops. Maybe I'll see something that was my intent I was like I'll go there and um I just I parked the car in this little car park I just hung around until everyone sort of left all the there was a few cars around I just waited until they went and just took my rucksack and I just walked down and um, this is where I should mention this story gets really bizarre and I have wondered whether I should ever tell this story in a public setting or not I don't know because it is very strange but Hell with it. I mean, this is like my first podcast. I need to go in hard, fast and strong, have a good story, and this is
1: a, a good story. Very strange story. <clears throat> anyway, so I to have a drink. <clears throat> Settle into the story. So I started to walk down. It's,
0: it's like, like I mentioned before, it's got these very strange sculptured hills which initially drew me in and um, there were two paths one path that went up to the top of the hill there was another little path that i discovered which took you down to where the fields were um, and then also down to the base of the hills as well so i thought well it's more sheltered a bit more seclu- you know secluded so i'm less likely to be disturbed so okay I-, I walked down this this path down down to the bottom of the hills and it was a lovely evening you know just really still Really warm. I, was, I remember getting a little bit stressed about fighting. It was the first time I've had a wild camp before, so I was very conscious about, maybe people would say they wouldn't really care, but you just don't know what people's reaction is, you know. So I was a little bit kind of het up, I guess. Anyway, but I just saw this like particularly good area. It's it quite flat land. There was two like, what, like copses, like very small little collections of, of trees um, either side. And there was a small little valley, and it was all quite sheltered and then you could look up to the top of the hill and then you could sort of look across the very huge fields, massive field. And so, okay, this is this is a perfect spot. Initially I was gonna camp in this sort of collection of trees. It's up on this small little mound. Um I felt, you know, obviously people then can't see in this small little forest. But I started to sort of spec out an area where I could pitch the tent up, but the noise there was a whole load of crows. Um, and they were being so noisy, I was like, oh, maybe this is a good place, because it was just quite disturbing. Because <laughs> they got like, proper crows and they are all like like st- really squawked, can be quite a haunting sounds. So I was like getting a little bit spooked out by it. Um, which looking back now again, you know, it's quite curious why that happened, because it meant that I didn't put, put my tent there. I then sort of decided to put my tent up in a more of an open area. And it was like, relatively flat. It was a little bit overgrown. And I was like, okay, cool. So I pitched the tent up. And then I sort of cooked some food. And then, and then I sort of cleared everything away. And I just sort of sat there and I was like, oh, God, this is so nice. I was like, God, I'm feeling so relaxed. And that was the thing. I was like, oh, my God. I started to feel the energy of that land. And it was like, I noted it down at the time. It was two days before a um, eclipse of the moon as well. The new eclipse, and so I sort of realised that, and I'd never felt so relaxed in my entire life. And I was just lying there, just going, "Whoa, this area is special, really special." It was such a beautiful spring summer summer evening. It was warm. I'd never felt so relaxed in my life. I was just drinking it up. I was like, "Wow." I was like, "Yeah." Yeah, this place is pretty, there's something about this place. I just got it and yeah, I just never felt so relaxed. It was it was crazy and I just imagined me taking people there and just feeling that same feeling as well because it was so potent, so potent. Anyway, that's not half of it. Okay, I was like, I decided I'm just going to go to bed, you know, it started to get dark, you know, couldn't really see anything anymore. I said, okay, well, I'll go to bed. You know, I thought I really had to get up quite early, so set my alarm quite early just so I wasn't going to be disturbed by any people, like, walking their dogs or anything like that. So, yeah, I just went to bed and sort of lay in my tent and um, struggling, you know, because obviously sometimes I think when you first camp for the first night, strange location, I, I always find it difficult to sort of sleep and... And then obviously while camping as well, there's always a slight feeling of danger as well. So that kind of heightened my um, senses a little bit. So I think I remember not really, you know, feeling that tired. I just lay there. And um, this is when very strange things started to happen. I started to feel these waves of energy within my body. They would start at my feet and they would go up to my head. Um, And they started to feel really pleasurable, like, I mean, really pleasurable, to the point of being quite sexy,
1: (laughs) like, sexual. And, um, yeah, this is where it gets a little bit strange. So, I was like, okay, that's
0: interesting. Like, before I was feeling relaxed, now I'm feeling something more than relaxed, something a little bit naughty. And. yeah, so I just lay there and I was like, obviously, this is quite a nice feeling. But the waves of this energy got more and more powerful. And it was
1: really strange. It was very orgasmic energy, like like I mentioned, like very sexy energy. And
0: um, it, not just like within lighting up, you know, my naughty bits, the kind of, you know, genital area, <laughs> I should say. It was, like, all over my body, from my toes all the way to the top of my head.
1: And it went on for hours. And it was amazing. And, like, to the point, I had, like, a full body orgasm. And it made me realise what it's like. Because,
0: you know, that you always sort of feel there's a difference between how men and women orgasm. I've always been very aware that it's like really just all encompassed. With a, with a woman, it tends to be more just enveloping, just completely envelops so the entire being. Every aspect of their body is affected by it. And with men, it's less, it's more localized in a particular area. It's, I mean, sometimes it can be overwhelming, but women, I think, have way more of an intense experience. It felt like that. Like, but more than that, and I was just lying there, just like, what the hell is going on, to the point... I am mean, so I'm going to get graphic now, just being like, oh, just like, so good there was no one <laughs> in earshot of this. I don't know what it must have fucking sounded like. But while this was going on, I was aware, I did, was kind of in my head, like trying to figure out what was going on. Was this like some entity that was outside that was doing this, like some kind of succubus? Sucker buses are supposed to be some kind of spiritual entity that goes around the landscape, drain, drain, sorry, draining of your sexual energy. Can feel pleasurable, but ultimately they're draining your energy, which is not good. Was that what was going on? I don't know. Or, what, or was it the, the, the energy of the landscape? So, yeah, I mean, it just went on all night. I was just having an all body orgasm. Intense orgasm. It didn't stop. It Just went on and on and on and on. And it got to the point. It was like I think about five in the morning. It was start. It was light. Starting to get light because it was you know summer months. But it was starting to get light quite early. And um, yeah, I was just like, whoa. Okay, I need. I hadn't slept a wink. Um, these waves of pleasure or sexual energy just been battering my body, not battering, sounds bad, but just been, you know, caressing my body all night. And I was like, came to five o'clock and I was like, I've got to get up soon and pack, you know, pack the tent up. And so that's what I did. I just sort of packed the tent up, put everything away, and then just drove to the nearest petrol station just to get a coffee. I remember specifically just sitting there with this coffee wasn't very nice coffee, obviously, because um, it
1: was from like a vending machine. I was just like, "What the hell just happened? What the hell just happened? What was that?" I didn't understand. I couldn't comprehend why that happened. It was amazing. I loved it for obvious reasons. But why the hell did that happen? I just yeah, I was
0: just dumbfounded. And this trip for me was going, to be, it was going to be like a whole weekend. So it was like, I was going to camp that night as well. And um, so I was really, I was actually really tired. But I remember like, walk, I'd, I went to like this place called Sil- Silbury Hill, and it's a very coracle shaped hill. And it's near to this um, Long Barrow as well, famous Long Barrow. And I remember walking around there. I was quite tired actually, but most of the day, but it was a beautiful day, sunny, sunny day, really hot. Um, but I started to get these waves near that sacred site so so I started to get these waves of orgasm again as I was walking and I was like whoa okay it's it's
1: here as well. So it started to work out that it was just sort of the landscape and um, yeah so I that night I
0: sort of tried to find somewhere alternative to sort of wild camp but I just struggled actually in the end I just drove back to that same spot I didn't have the same situation. It didn't happen that night. This was, I think it was a night before the lunar eclipse. I camped in exactly the same spot and I wondered, am I going to get the same, same experience? It didn't happen, which just that, literally that one, one time. And I was like, okay, weird. And so yeah, I, you know, I drove back, I drove back to Brighton the next day, I think it was the Sunday. And then, yeah, I just started to research what happened? That area, what happened? Why, why did that happen to me? And what I found was, um, which I didn't realise at the time, is that, um, it was just on a random Facebook post, but it was called the Alton Goddess. And apparently if you look, look at the, the sort of set of hills from a distance from what's like Nap Hill, I think it is, it's in the shape of a woman. <laughs> Kid you not, it's in the shape of a woman. And there's one particular sort of barrow, um, which is a you know a breast and then another indentation in the hill
1: is is a navel and then get this right where i was was literally a naughty bit. <laughs> you can look on the picture of this ox someone illustrated it so you
0: kind of see it's like a kind of uh, illustration and literally where I was camped
1: was like, you know, her erogenous <laughs> yeah, yeah, just crazy experience. So yeah, I just sort of, then it made sense a bit more, It's was like, it's just
0: so bizarre, just the landscape, having the shape of a woman's body, I had this very sort of female-esque pleasurable experience in this particular location. and. I'd also started to read that they do a lot of ceremonies down there as well and I was like ah because that was what was fascinating like looking back because there was like a bit of turf that had been cut out in a square shape out of the out of the soil and obviously they'd done some kind of forest fire ceremony and very respectfully then put the turf back but you could still see the marks from the shovel where they dug it out so obviously I don't know whether it's the energy of the land or whether it was charged up by a particular ceremony or or you know, obviously it was two days before a lunar eclipse as well,
1: so yeah. Was it a lunar I don't think it was a lunar eclipse? I think it was like a, it was just the full moon actually. Oh, it was the full moon. Um
0: Yeah, so maybe all these three things just created that situation that happened to me. But yeah, really really strange and I went back there actually like last year where um, when I started to feel a little bit better and so I camped um just outside of Avery in this campsite and again I wanted to go back to that area and um, and then what was we- I visited I walked down it was a, it was a lot cooler because it was I think it was November yeah November time mid-November time so it was a lot cooler I wasn't going to camp like actually um, in the landscape as a, you know, I'd sort of stayed in an organized campsite this time. I visited that same location again. And, um, I just sat there. It was weird. I started to feel really, really dizzy, like a little bit sick. So I had to sort of sit down. So I sort of sat down and I got that same feeling of like relaxation. Not as strong, nowhere near as strong, but it was still there. And, uh, what was really strange that I then, you know, I stayed there for quite a while until it got quite dark and then sort of went back to the car and then drove back to the campsite where I was staying. And um, that night I got that, those same waves of like pleasurable feeling, not again, not as strong, but it was definitely there. So it was like that feeling had hitchhiked from that location to, you know, it was probably about 15, 20 minutes drive from where I was actually camping. But I carried it through.
1: It's really strange. So I have experienced it again since, but yeah, not as strong, not as strong. So there you go. There's my Alton Goddess experience story.
0: But tying in the idea of Earth energies and its effect on the human body in a positive way, in a healing way, like I mentioned before, the benefits of that experience, for having that orgasm, full body orgasm for hours, the health benefits were crazy. My hair was so soft and so bright and it lasted for weeks. My head was so clear. My skin was so soft, so silky. It had a really, really amazing effect on my body and my overall health. It didn't last forever, obviously because of what I've been through recently, but um, yeah. Yeah, that first experience, that first powerful energetic experience. Like my body was so good. The hair was so and people were commenting, I was like, Wow, your hair. I had longer hair back then. And um, yeah, people were going, Wow, your hair's so silky
1: and shiny. And it was. And then it didn't say, Oh yeah, because I had like four hour orgasm. <laughs> I like, oh yeah, it has got good, good conditioner, nice shampoo. Yeah. So the, the effects are there on the human body. And yeah, if you, you just think it in the context of
0: ancient Egypt and some of the technology potentially that were there, you know, how much of that was for healing? I mean, not just Egypt, but all around the world, you know, in places like South America as well. You know, some, some of the architecture whether it was actually used to harness some of these earth energies for healing purposes. Fascinating. I mean really, we've only become reconnected with the idea of earth energies and ley lines until quite recently. It was like a guy called Alfred Watkins, who was an amateur archaeologist, and he had this vision, I think when he was horse riding, and he just saw these energy lines sort of crisscrossing the landscape. And that then... He through his own research started to discover energy lines through through dowsing. And that was in like the you know 1920s. So it's a new subject for, for our generation, well, you know, last couple of generations. And we're rediscovering this, you know, what it means, what earth energies are, their effect on the human body, what the architecture that was created surrounding it. And obviously, there are certain people. You know, in nefarious circles
1: and secret societies who know a lot how this works. You know, whole cities, buildings are centered around earth energy lines and to affect the, the population for nefarious purposes, purposes, you know, potentially.
0: But in terms of like overall consciousness of humanity, these concepts are still quite new like, I mean it's happening to me, I'm sort of finding out new stuff as the years go on, I'm having these experiences, so it's this huge re-remembrance going on of what, what how this land operates, how the earth
1: operates, how the human body operates. It's amazing what's happening, the unfolding of it is amazing. And then the power of, like, what's possible is still not completely clear. There's still
0: much to uncover, more things to learn. And as people awaken more, I mean, you start to realise how, you know, everything needs to change in terms of, like, the architecture, where we place buildings, just through my own, like, feeling in my body, like, being in the centre of towns at the moment, just the places that I can't be, you know, I have to be in more rural locations. But even then, you I mean, you've got all these things
1: to consider. Like I said, like, you know, should you be near a cemetery? Should you be near, like, electrical pylon?
0: You know, is it on a particular bad negative energy line? Is it over some water, underground water, that is not great for you as a human being, that will cause ill health? These are all like areas in the humanity in the future, I think, has got to grapple with and understand and start to construct new ways of inhabiting the landscape and harnessing this energy for healing purposes and spiritual purposes. For spiritual. I mean, that's again, maybe what some of the pyramids are. They were a point of initiation, they were placed in a very
1: accurate, specific way, and people would go on these journeys to initiate themselves. It's really exciting, really. You know, that we're all on the vanguard in this
0: new era where, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of weird stuff going on at the moment, but in many ways, it's like really exciting. I mean, we're like detectives figuring all this out together. I mean, I, I just got so many ideas in my head and we're not, you know, still slightly, it's a bit frustrating, it's slightly kind of physically restricted, really, um, but I'm getting every day, better every day. but. You know, I'm really looking forward to sort of getting out of the landscape again and really just like having mad experiences again like that.
1: But this has been like great doing this podcast. It's, I found it a lot easier than I thought. It's flowed a lot more.
0: Um, yeah, I've, I've done quite a few YouTube videos. It's always that kind of camera element, I think, that um, yeah, um kind of adds that extra layer of like anxiety a little bit and just speaking to microphone just feels a lot more relaxing feels more intimate as well yeah so yeah it's been really great just doing this my first podcast i, I hope it's the first one of many i plan to to do more definitely but yeah i think that's it thank you so much for listening um yeah hopefully i'll, I'll do another one soon not sure when as soon as i can um i'm always having topics sort of pop into my head so hopefully I will um, but you can sort of catch up with me on my website ReconsiderSimon.com I'm also on YouTube find me there Reconsider Simon they haven't shadow banned me yet so you can sort of find me relatively easily and um, also I'm starting to post stuff on Rumble as well Odyssey and Bitchute but yeah thank you so much again have a great day or night whatever you're doing and I'll speak to you soon take care bye bye